You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Snow is already falling across the province, including in some spots here in Metro Vancouver. And with memories of last winter's snowmageddon still fresh in our minds, preparations are underway. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We'll get to the impact of cold weather across the region in a moment and preparations for it. But first, let's find out where all this snow is coming from right now with meteorologist Christy Gordon, who's outside. Thanks so much, Chris. Well, it was raining throughout much of the day across Metro Vancouver, but all the while that freezing level continued to drop. The local mountains got hammered. And then right at about 3 o'clock, we started to get reports of snow, higher elevations, Westwood Plateau. But the real snow started to fall right at about 4 o'clock. The snow level dropped all the way down to the surface from Langley East all the way through the Fraser Valley. Those areas saw white stuff accumulate on the roads, sides of the roads, even snow along the North Shore Mountains out towards uh, West Vancouver, reports of snow. Now, conditions have eased off a little bit right now. You can see behind me here, not much precipitation. But, Chris, we're not done with this just yet. I'll show you which areas still have the potential of snow when I come back. All right, sounds good. Thanks very much, Christy. And as we said, the snow has been falling across southwestern B.C., including where a lot of people want it for an early start to the ski season. This is what it looks like in Whistler, where they got 13 centimeters of new snow. And the Grouse Mountain webcam is giving us a pretty good look at the North Shore blizzard. The snow's been coming down pretty hard there as well. And snowplows have been at work on Cypress Mountain, keeping the roads clear. They're still in pretty good condition right now, but predictions of heavy accumulations at the higher elevations are becoming a reality. We've got complete coverage of the messy commute, starting with Jill Bennett. She's on Burnaby Mountain, which is notorious for snow trouble. Jill, fill us in on the preparations for tonight. Uh, Chris, it still feels like winter, cold here on Burnaby Mountain. The snow itself has tapered off, just a few flakes falling right now. A much different story to what we saw just a couple of hours ago. It might seem early, but winter has hit. I love it. It's November. It's November. Oh, She's from Australia, so she doesn't like the snow. <laughs> The flakes falling are perhaps a warning for those unprepared. It was just last year. Metro Vancouver was hit with snowfall after snowfall, leaving many stranded on iced over streets and fighting for free salt. It snaps around the inside of the tire and then that's it. TransLink is trying something new this year. Four buses will be fitted with tire socks to better climb Burnaby Mountain. We'll install them at Production Way University Station on four buses that will serve as shuttles up the mountain. If they work, it will be a welcome addition, as these streets are often the first to shut down when the snow starts falling. TransLink is also working with an arborist to ensure train tracks are clear of debris and a heat tracer will be used to prevent ice buildup. In Surrey, the salt shed is well stocked and crews are ready to go. I think our major difference from last year is we've set our contracts up so we can procure more salt than we did last year. In Vancouver, after many complaints last year of ignored side streets, there will be more crews on hand. When a 1 in 30 year event occurs, uh, we could use more resources and so council has approved additional resources. With a drop in temperature comes more need for shelter. At the Union Gospel Mission in Vancouver, more beds will open up on Friday. This is a dangerous time of the year for people who don't have a home. They're vulnerable to uh, disease, um, things like pneumonia, the beginnings of frostbite. 
Many motorists in Metro Vancouver are still dealing with rain and flooding, meaning the snow at the higher elevations has likely caught them off guard. But at least some people are making the best of it. And Chris, a little bit more on those tire socks TransLink will be trying out first in the jurisdiction to do so. They have Kevlar threads in them. They cost about $250 a set. If they prove to be successful in getting buses up here to Burnaby Mountain, it's very likely they'll be expanded to the fleet to other trouble areas as well when the snow really starts falling. Chris? A lot cheaper than snow tires, that's for sure, and easier to install. (laughs) Thanks a lot for that, Jill. Well, there is no shortage of snow in many other parts of the province, too. Kamloops, one of the first cities to be hit with substantial snowfall today. Five to ten centimeters are expected before the day is over. And a little further south, the Coquihalla and Hope Princeton highways also getting their share. The Coke could get up to 30 centimeters this evening. And parts of the highway have been closed on and off due to accidents. As the weather changes, a serious accident on Vancouver Island serves as a warning about pedestrian safety. Police say two teenage girls were crossing a road in Saanich early this morning, not using the crosswalk when they were struck. It was dark and raining at the time, and one of the girls suffered a head injury after hitting the car's windshield. The other was only slightly hurt. Charges are not being considered against the driver. Now to that huge crime scene near Salmon Arm and the identification of human remains found there. It has intensified the police search of the property and raised the stress level for some of the families of local missing women. Ramina Dea is live in Vernon tonight, the hometown of an 18-year-old, Tracy Genero, who is now linked to that property. Ramina. Chris, Genero disappeared from Vernon back in May, and while her family and friends are left to confront the loss, the community is fearful that there could be other victims. It would never go that long without talking to me. We were pretty close in spite, you know, Mother's Day, something, you know. My birthday was just after that. As a mom, Lori Nixon's gut instinct told her something was wrong when she didn't hear from her daughter. Tracy Genero was last seen alive in Vernon's red light district five months ago. One of her friends hearing the grim news for the first time. I don't know. She's so young. She was young. Like we've heard this so many times that she's been found or that she's been dead or... So I didn't know and I didn't think it was real again until just now, I guess. Police not revealing whether there are any suspects. No charges have been laid. It was trying to establish a a timeline of Tracy's activities starting from the last date that she was last heard from in Vernon, that being May 29th. The Mounties now into... of the property owners, 37-year-old Curtis Sagmoen has been arrested and is facing charges in connection to a separate incident in August where a sex worker says she was threatened by a man with a gun. Police will not say if Sagmoen is a suspect in Genero's case. We're considering uh, Tracy Genero's death as suspicious. At least five women have gone missing between Vernon and Sycamus in the last 20 months. The Sagmoan farm in close proximity. The RCMP refusing to say if they have uncovered other human remains. The lack of answers 
torture for the other families. It's been a really depressing couple weeks. Um, I was really scared that she, I'm still scared that she, she might be there. As far as the investigation goes, Chris, it appears to be in its infancy. The farm is 24 acres in size, and this weather is not helping. Locals tell us that if the ground freezes, it's going to be impossible for investigators to dig. The RCMP still doesn't have a timeline on how long they plan to be on that property. Chris. All right. Romina Dea in Vernon Forest tonight. Thank you. Surrey RCMP say their special victims unit has identified a person of interest in connection with an incident at the Newton Wave Pool last Friday. As we reported last night, a father says his 13-year-old daughter was sexually assaulted by a teenage boy in the women's change room. Police say the person of interest is also a young person, but say they won't be disclosing further details because of certain, quote, sensitivities and because of the ages of the people involved. They say the incident appears to be isolated, and they don't think the public is at risk. The Transportation Safety Board has finished its investigation into a cargo plane that crashed on the North Shore Mountains two years ago. And it's come up with some shocking theories about why it happened. The pilot was drunk at the controls, and that definitely contributed to it. But Ted Chernecki reports on another chilling possibility that might help explain why the plane went down. After the crash in the North Shore Mountains, it was next to impossible to see the wreckage as debris was scattered over a wide area. When North Shore Rescue eventually found the two deceased pilots, a toxicology report determined the pilot, 34-year-old Robert Brandt, had an alcohol level of 0.24. Today, the Transportation Safety Board ruled alcohol was certainly a factor, but far from the only one. We are calling for Transport Canada in collaboration with the aviation industry and employee representatives to develop and implement requirements for a comprehensive substance abuse program to include drug and alcohol testing. Also noted in today's report is that just 20 days earlier, German Wings co-pilot Andreas Lubitz is believed to have purposely crashed his Airbus 320 into the French Alps, killing all 149 people on board. The TSB found some disturbing clues in the North Vancouver crash. The investigation identified a number of flight-specific factors consistent with an intentional act. These include the aircraft's descent in the direction of flight, its full nose-down trim setting, the duration of the dive, the absence of any type of emergency communication, and the absence of any apparent recovery action during the descent. The co-pilot, 32-year-old Kevin Wang, showed no illegal substances, yet was unable to pull the aircraft out of its steep dive. We'll probably never know what really happened because there were no cockpit voice or flight data recorders on board. Carson Air, in a statement, said it supports a new comprehensive substance abuse program, but did not answer our question if newer, cheaper portable recorders have since been installed in all of their aircraft. Ted Chernecki, Global News. The NDP government has launched a task force to guide B.C. towards the elimination of MSP premiums. The three-member panel has until March 31st of next year to identify options to replace revenue that will be lost by eliminating the premiums within four years. And the other big story in Victoria today, B.C.'s forest industry still digesting the latest bad news from south of the border. The U.S. Commerce Department deciding to maintain its duties against Canadian softwood lumber. We'll bring in Keith Baldry now from Victoria. Keith, there was some modest good news here, but maybe maybe it's better to describe it as 
less bad news. Yeah, less bad, I think, is the right way to do it, Chris. A never-ending story, uh, bedeviling B.C.'s forest industry for decades. Uh, the U.S. Uh, powerful uh, lumber lobby down there, again, successfully involving uh, countervail duties and anti-dumping penalties to be levied, levied against uh, Canadian lumber producers. So the modest good news it had been 27%. Now it's down to about 21%, and it varies from company to company. So here's three prominent uh, B.C. forest companies, what they're going to be paying. Canfor, one of the largest companies, at 22.13%. Tolco at 22.07% duties, and West uh, Fraser at 23.76%. The good news, again, is because of high lumber prices, not expected to have big job losses, a point made by Susan Yukovich of the B.C. Uh, L- uh, lumber Council that uh, high prices are going to protect uh, British Columbians but hurt U.S. consumers. And also John Horgan, the premier at that news conference as well, maintaining that still his government is worried down the road as this unfolds about job loss in our number one industry. You know, lumber markets go up and down, but right now we see, for the foreseeable future, uh, very good markets for softwood lumber, uh, which is why the claim of the U.S. industry that they are being injured is absolutely ridiculous. With respect to potential job losses, that is a a real and present concern for the government. Uh, That's why uh, I put two ministers responsible, Bruce on the trade side and Doug uh, on the forestry side, to make sure that we were prepared for any outcome in these discussions uh, when we formed the government in July. So the payment comes due, the full payment comes due at the end of December. Keep in mind, though, that Canada has appealed all these uh, decisions over the years and has won every single time in external independent tribunals, such as the World Trade Organization. The expectation is B.C. and Canada will win again in this round, but it's going to take some time before we get to that point. In the meantime, our force company is going to pay a bit of financial pain. Chris? Sounds like it. All right, Keith, thanks very much. Parents of special needs children are desperate, saying their kids are literally being shut out of the classroom. Of the more than 800 parents who took part in a province-wide survey, nearly half say their child is routinely scheduled for less than a full day of school. And as Nadia Stewart reports, they say the situation has been gradually getting worse. I was very nervous. about For Anne Marishak and Katerina Gamlin, it seems like every day is a battle just to get their kids an education. In January, I dropped him off at school for a full day, went to work, and received a call partway through the day uh, to come and pick him up, that they are waiting for me to come pick him up for his half day. We were basically told that my daughter could not attend school for more than an hour and a half a day. Both are moms to children with special needs. They're part of a growing group of parents in Nanaimo who say their kids are being pushed out of the classroom because of under-resourced schools and inadequately trained staff and teachers. Advocates say it's a province-wide problem. I've supported families who've told me that they're told that their children are allowed to attend from 9 to 10.30, uh, two or three days a week. A recent survey by the B.C. Confederation of Parent Advisory Councils highlights the problem. Of the 800 parents who responded, nearly half say their child was regularly scheduled for less than a full day during the last school year. Of that number, 132 kids were scheduled for less than half a day. In many cases, the parents have to be on call. Like, they don't know when the school is going to call and say, take your child home, they're having a bad day. It could be after a half an hour in school, a couple of hours. It could be multiple times a week. The education minister says more resources are on the way. We'd ask people to be patient. This is the largest infusion of educational resources in a generation. But for Marishak, her patients were thin. She eventually pulled her son out of public school altogether. And for those still struggling in the system, 
there is a reluctance to rock the boat. That fear is, is very real, the fear that their children's supports will be cut back even further or that it will create um, a chilly environment in the school. Nadia Stewart, Global News. We know there are many kids who fall through the cracks of the public school system, but thankfully Variety is there to help families with tuition grants and support in alternative programs. That support, though, comes with a cost, and that's where our Variety Week campaign comes in. Call 310KIDS or donate online at variety.bc.ca. You can also make a donation by texting the word KIDS to 45678 to make a $20 donation. We're trying to reach 200 kids by the end of the day today. We're getting close. We'd love to hit 300 by the end of the day tomorrow. So please give what you can to help children throughout our province. And to help us try and reach our goal, every donation made tonight will be matched by the Webster Foundation. So your dollars will go twice as far. Give them a call right now. The Halloween treat that turned out to be anything but. A child on Vancouver Island came home with a small bag of gummy candy, but a sharp-eyed parent noticed it's not supposed to be for children. How marijuana candies ended up in the Halloween hall in just over a minute. Wind so strong it's pushing the plane sideways, a landing that did not go as planned later on the news hour. And the Supreme Court clears the way for another massive resort development in B.C. How the Jumbo Resort jumped a big hurdle later. Now, Victoria police are urging parents to check their children's Halloween candy after at least one child was given pot-laced gummies. Victoria PD were called to the 100 block of Simcoe Street in James Bay after a parent discovered the gummies. Police went to the home the child visited and spoke to the confused homeowner. They say the gummies appear to have been handed out by mistake, and that's why you should check your child's hall. A University of Victoria student is leading the charge to change the way our government funds cystic fibrosis treatment. She's taking a medication that costs $250,000 a year, and her private student insurance will no longer pay for it. The drug company says Canada is the only developed country that won't fund coverage or even negotiate. Neetu Garcha spoke to the young woman about her life and death battle. I went from planning and being excited about my school year to being in this fight for my life. Lilia Zaharyeva recently found out her private insurance through the University of Victoria Student Society no longer covers a very important drug. My heart dropped and I... I fell to my knees crying in the street. The drug is called Orcombi, and it's changed her life. I was estimated to have about two to four years to total lung failure. Orcombi has effectively halted my decline. The cystic fibrosis patient says she used to cough violently for hours every morning and she needed antibiotics every two weeks. Since starting Orcombi about a year ago, she says she hasn't had any lung infections. It felt like everything just was working again. A group of third-year law students responded to her call for help. They're advocating for the drug to be covered again. As much coverage as possible. What is the most that we can get students to get on board with? This Vernon mother also relies on Orcombi, which treats a specific strain of cystic fibrosis and costs about $250,000 a year. I know I'm going to be hit and... It's going to hurt. I'm going to be sick. This week, Vertex Pharmaceuticals offered up what it calls a significant reduction in the price of the drug, adding Canada is the only developed country that doesn't fund Orcombi or is negotiating to.
But BC's health minister says it would cost the province millions to fund the drug. Adrian Dix also maintains there isn't enough evidence of its efficacy through independent review. Vertex will do what they really need to do, go through the common drug review again and demonstrate the efficacy of their drug and its value. Both women only have enough to last them until about mid-December. And when it comes to the province, they feel their message is just falling on deaf ears. People stand to die um, waiting for this bureaucracy. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. The story of Amanda Todd is being told in a whole new way. The Port Coquitlam teen who committed suicide after extreme cyberbullying is one of four Canadian women featured in the National Arts Centre Orchestra's cross-country tour. John Waugh reports on the importance to Amanda's family of bringing the musical and visual performance back home. This is Canada's music. The National Art Centre Orchestra commemorating the country's 150th, not with your typical Canadiana. That westward road was mine. Instead, telling stories of four Canadian women who faced both struggles and sacrifice. And each of these stories is, is essentially about a young girl overcoming adversity and becoming something else through that. One of them, Amanda Todd, the Port Coquitlam teen who shared her story of cyberbullying before taking her own life. Amanda's story was always, for me, the most um, difficult and, and delicate because it is so raw. The music of her tragic journey, an original composition, accompanied by a 3D visual display that is both haunting yet offers hope, an important part of the message for Amanda's mother. Seeing your baby girl up there um, and having her story told in such a way kind of takes your breath away. With the National Art Centre Orchestra's cross-country tour now performing in Vancouver, Carol Todd says this is more than about sharing her daughter's story. It's a homecoming. Knowing that this is happening in Vancouver, where the story is has been so prolific and so pronounced. Um, yeah, she's come home. Amanda Todd's message. In music and moving pictures, an important Canadian story that continues to be told. John Hua, Global News. Sometimes a vehicle is much more than transportation. How a van has changed everything for young Jonathan and his family, thanks to your donations to Variety. And check your fridge for chicken strips. We've got a recall to tell you about coming up. And back to our special Variety Week coverage and proof your money goes where it's needed most. Simple transportation can be a life changer. The Sunshine Van program launched right here on Global during the 50th anniversary telethon a few years ago, and it continues to offer hope for families just like Jonathan's. Sophie Louie has their story. When, when you have a kid who has CP, you've got all kinds of equipment. He has a splint. He's got special shoes that go over top of the splint. He's got the wheelchair. He's got all his personal care equipment. So every time they leave the home, there's a ton of stuff that has to go with you. When he takes the bus, he doesn't like a cold weather. He's going to get shake. Uh, he's crying. He doesn't feel so good. 
Jonathan's family lives with the constant struggle of his cerebral palsy and the seemingly never-ending challenge of living without an accessible vehicle. Going anywhere is a problem, whether it's to school, the store, or to Jonathan's next medical appointment. He has splits that he wears on his feet, orthotics. You outgrow those once a year. So there's another set of two or three appointments that you have to get to um, to do casting, fitting, and, and then adjustment. Just uh, uh, those things alone puts the burden of uh, transport, um, makes it very difficult when you rely on transit or taxi. Your donations to Variety will make an enormous difference to Jonathan. The Sunshine Family Van Program has provided his family with a new wheelchair accessible van. Jonathan still has his medical difficulties, but now transportation is one less thing for the family to worry about. We can't uh, spend two hours, three hours to get to the hospital. We can't get uh, in a half hour. So I'm thinking that it will be easy now. When you provide a vehicle to a family like Jonathan's, um, it just makes life so much easier to manage. And it also it, it gives him access to the community. He can go to um, adapted programs where he can interact with kids in a different environment other than just the school. Finally, I will say to all people who work with Jonathan, thank you very much. You can move around. Beautiful boy. And you can imagine the incredible impact more variety Sunshine Family vans could have and you can make that happen by calling or clicking right now. 310KIDS is the number to call. Again, the Webster Foundation is matching the money for the next little while here on the News Hour. Or go online to variety.bc.ca. Some breaking news for you now, and it looks like this first big winter storm is causing some trouble on the roads. Accidents and bad road conditions have shut down Highway 1 between Yale and Boston Bar, and the Coquihalla is closed between Hope and Merritt. Not known yet when those will reopen, but when they do, we'll let you know. A major barrier to building a new all-season resort just disappeared. It's not the way I hoped it would go, but that's the way it did. Reaction to a Supreme Court decision that clears the way for the Jumbo Resort. And pilots using all of their training to get out of a scary situation. That's coming up next. A wild ride for passengers on a jetliner in Austria. A powerful storm had been battering the region on Sunday when this flight from Frankfurt, Germany, tries to land in Salzburg. The plane twists, tilts, at times goes sideways as it approaches the runway, and no sooner does it touch down the pilots decide it's just too dangerous and they abort the landing and take off again. The plane eventually headed back to Germany, where it landed safely. A Supreme Court of Canada decision has cleared the way for a major year-round ski resort in the B.C. interior near Invermere. The Tundaha First Nation argued the resort infringed on their right to freedom of religion because it would be on the same land they believe the grizzly bear spirit was born. The court ruled that while protections under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms include freedom to hold religious beliefs, they do not extend to the protection of sacred sites. I felt that we were, we were less than, and our right to our beliefs is less than anybody else's. It's difficult in a multicultural society to say that if you disagree with me, you disrespect me, because we need to find ways to to have disagreements about complex public policy issues. 
In Health Matters tonight, an important recall to tell you about. Maple Leaf Foods is recalling some of its frozen chicken strips after some reports of illnesses. The chicken strips are sold in 840-gram boxes with a best-before date of September 29, 2018. They could contain a toxic bacteria and should be thrown out or returned. And coming up later, how music can soothe the soul. We just play music and then these wonderful things happen. Jump on the variety bandwagon to see the incredible creative outlet that's inspiring kids to better lives. And an escape in slow motion. What happened to this hippo who decides to make a break for it? A hippo makes a run for it, if you can call it that, out the gates of an Israeli zoo. The surprising end of the story, though, right after the forecast. And before we get to that, you know, for, for some people, winter is simply a state of mind. The dropping temperatures didn't stop Arnie Gutman from a little paddle boarding on Alta Lake up in Whistler. It was a bit blustery with temperatures hovering near minus four degrees, but Arnie says whatever. That's brave. Brave guy. As I said, never bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. Excellent point. Yes. Um, it, it might be inappropriate for driving in some parts of the province. We know that. Christy's got the forecast right Thanks. now. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so you mentioned that Highway 1 is closed between Boston Bar and Yale, also Highway 5, so the Coquihalla between Hope and Merritt. Just This is one of the ones that is open, but just to give you an idea of how bad it is. So this is Highway 3. This is a Hope slide. Uh, the connector is no better either. In fact, there's a warning for that area, but it is still open. Do not head out in these areas right through until tomorrow morning. They're still expecting another 5 to 10 centimeters of snow, but it'll ease off to flurry. Still flurries expected to more, but it'll be far lighter. So wait until uh, until late tomorrow, I would suggest. It's all because of this low pressure that center that is dropping down in a way. That's why we've seen things ease off across the lower mainland. But there's a snowfall warning for Chilliwack. So eastern sections will continue to get snow even as we head into the evening hours. 10 centimeters already reported in Chilliwack just in the last two hours. So significant snow. You can see that on the radar right now, whereas things have eased off across these areas. Uh, the freezing level is still very low. Now, as we head into the next couple of hours, we still do have a chance of an isolated shower or flurry. We're not completely in the clear, even in Metro Vancouver. If we do see any flurry activity, it would be wet flurries in these areas. Metro Vancouver all the way down towards Abbotsford. East of Abbotsford, you're talking about snow and then higher elevation snow to Wasson, just rain. The areas we are concerned about on Vancouver Island also are Duncan up towards Nanaimo, Nanus Bay as well. Possibility of wet snow in those areas, higher elevations. The Malahat will continue to see snow into the evening hours, but all areas will see it ease off overnight. It's just the evening hours that we're concerned about. Those areas in through the north, uh, chilly but beautiful in through your area. Really, everything is to the south. So the heavier snow this evening, tomorrow still a chance of flurries, but drying out. It really is that system pushing out and away. So most of the south coast will be nice tomorrow. Lots of sunshine across Vancouver Island, but chilly. Highs of only four and five degrees. And overnight lows will be down to about minus one, minus two across many areas. We brought in a slight chance of precipitation over the weekend. Not as much sunshine as we had before, but still mostly dry compared to what we saw today. Bess Owens, uh, sorry, Ovens, celebrating 102 years today. Chris, back to you. All right, Christy, thanks very much. Remember to set the clocks back this weekend, too, right. obviously. Well, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side, at least if you're a hippo. 
Security video captures a female hippo slowly walking out the gate at Israel's Central Safari Zoo to the astonishment of a guard who apparently wasn't about to stop her. But after tasting some of the grass outside the gate, she simply turned around and wandered back in. Zoo officials say she wasn't scared. She just seemed a little bit confused. All's well that ends well. Well, the battle in Seattle is almost upon us. There are the Whitecaps arriving at CenturyLink. Will Teixeira and Reyna be able to start? We'll find out coming up in sports with Squire. And the music studio in a box. Why the bandwagon is a number one hit with the young artists who use it. The Global BC CKNW Leadership Series continues tomorrow with the final episode in a series of in-depth interviews with influential BC leaders. This week, Sophie sat down with BC Lions quarterback Travis Lule. Leadership is not about being perfect by any means. You stand up there in the imperfect moments and you just stay consistent. They say no one, no one is taller than the last man standing, right? And so if you can just persevere through those mucky, ugly moments, um, guys respect that and guys will follow. Great topic. And if you can see more of our conversation with Travis Lule tomorrow, it airs at 10.30 a.m. and through the weekend on our 24-hour news channel, BC1. Good man, that Travis he Lule. Is. And when he first appeared in the Lions huddle, when he came in, a lot of the offensive linemen knew immediately this guy could lead. Yeah. It was, they knew it as soon as he walked in the huddle and took control. All right, so first of all, the good news. It has just been announced that the Whitecaps will have Kristen Teixeira and Jordy Reyna in the starting lineup tonight against Seattle. That is huge for the Whitecaps offense, provided they're 100%. Now, Vancouver needs at least one goal in this game to advance. To talk more about this evening's game, let's go all the way down to Seattle, where Barry DeLay is right now. All right, we're about an hour away from kickoff here at CenturyLink. No rain, but uh, kind of chilly down here. Bob, those short shorts you uh, wore back in the 70s and 80s, that'd be a tough go. Much better to be in this era with the long shorts, that's for sure. All right. It was obvious uh, the way you guys played in the opener at uh, BC Place that you did not want to give up that away goal. How differently does uh, Carl's strategy and the team's strategy change today here on the road? Well, I, I actually think that uh, obviously Seattle factor into the equation and, and how they play will determine how the game goes as well. And I, I think that they will be more adventuresome here, uh, which means we'll need to be solid defensively. I mean, if you look at our away games throughout the season, that was the game plan. We'd go in and try to catch teams on the counter. So if they come out, then there's space in behind them. The one visit you had here did not turn out well, 3-0. Um, you have played a lot of matches like you did in that same situation. Um, why do you think your team has been so good, though, on the road? And what do you have to do especially good to quiet this crowd and play the way you want to play? Oh, more of the same. And, and I, I think that we've been, we've been solid from front to back in terms of, of understanding what we need to do on the road, which is defend as a, as a unit. And then you know, with players uh, that are capable of breaking down the other team, try and, and get them the ball and, and uh, let them do their, their magic. So... For us, it, it is uh, exactly what we've been doing on the road. We've won six on the road, the most in our, our, our division, and uh, we're hoping to do the same tonight. Hopefully number seven is coming in a, just a few hours' time. Good luck, Bob, Thank as you, you guys look to get on to the conference finals for the first time ever in their history. And we will also have a post-match report tonight on the news hour at 11. Squire, back to you. Thank you, boys. Well, Corey Snyder's never-ending revenge on the Canucks continued last night. When you send someone 
from beautiful British Columbia to New Jersey. What do you expect? Against the Canucks, he is 5-1-2. and two. Shut them out last night. Now, the Canucks did have lots of chances in this game, but they couldn't score. They are 25th in the NHL right now in goals per game. What they need is more guys in front of the net. Don't stand against the wall like it's a grade 8 dance. We have uh, you know, too many guys are standing off to the side and, and not screening the goalie. So you know, the more traffic we get in front of these uh, these goaltenders, I mean, they're in the National Hockey League for a reason. If they see the puck, they're going to stop it. So um, you know, the more the more traffic we get up front, the better. So tomorrow, the uh, Maori All Blacks will play Canada at BC Place. It'll be entertaining rugby. But even if it is a boring game, and it won't be, but if it was, the fans would still be entertained by the Hawka dance. And in town with the Maori team is a man who helped solidify the Hawka as a permanent fixture for New Zealand teams, the great Buck Shelford. Well, if you, if you do it correctly, and if you listen to a good Hawka, the hairs stick up on the back of your neck and get tingling in the arm. You feel that. Ooh, it's like you're growing up, you know, you're growing six inches taller and you're bigger and you're more powerful and because you're going into battle and you need that to go with you. The haka dance has long been part of Maori culture in New Zealand and there are many different ones. The haka used by the main all-black side is different than the Maori all-blacks haka and it's different again than the junior teams out of New Zealand. But they all basically have the same message. Combines a lot of things. It's our history. Our, you know, it's like going into battle. We go into the battle with our kaitiaki on our shoulders, which is kaitiaki are, are your your tupuna, your people who actually played before you. And on this shoulder here, I go in with all my Maori tupuna, and here's my my English and Irish tupuna on this shoulder, and they're supporting me in battle. And everybody in the stadium is doing exactly the same. They're here to support us. And so we go into battle every game with a lot of people on our shoulders. And for New Zealanders, the haka before international matches has taught many about the origins of their country, and it brings them together as well. For us, we say that, you know, you have to, be, to be Māori, you have to have the blood of a Māori in this team, especially in this team. But there are a lot of people out there that are not Māori, but they're Māori in their hearts. You see? Because they just love the lifestyle and the way we are. Well, it's the best of times and the worst of times in Houston sports. Today, the Astros came home with their first ever World Series trophy just four years after they lost 111 in games in one season. When they were arriving as champs, the Houston Texans lost star rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson. He ripped up his knee in practice and will miss the rest of the NFL season. Ugh. That hurts. Terrible. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant now, the preview of Global News at 11, including some of the wild weather in the province, Jay. Yeah, thanks, Chris. We'll continue to keep an eye on the weather, especially along the mountain passes and higher elevations. This video just into our newsroom showing the conditions on the Coquihalla Highway. Despite the warnings, a lot of people were unprepared. Traffic was moving slowly because a number of trucks didn't have chains on their tires to deal with the snowy weather. We'll bring you the very latest on the conditions when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jay. We'll join a variety jam session right after a break and if you're looking for something to do on the weekend here's Kasia Badurka with five things you can do with your family Kasia thanks let's start with movie time for families watch kid favorites on the big screen every Friday at the Vancouver Public Library's Renfrew branch tomorrow it's Toy Story 
Now, if you want to leave the kids at home, the Coquitlam Craft Beer Festival is on tomorrow and Saturday at the Westwood Plateau Golf and Country Club. Sample brews from over 40 breweries along with tasty beer-friendly foods from local restaurants. Now back to the kids. Creative Cafe is all about embracing nature, history, and art at the Minicata Lodge and Regional Park. Kids will express their love of nature through fun creative activities. It all begins at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Now how about high tea at the Heritage Park? Specially blended teas will be served with a three-tier tray full of treats. A big part of the fun is dressing up. It's all by reservation only. And let the Christmas craft shows begin. On the island, First Chance Christmas Craft Show is happening in Sydney, featuring over 80 local artisans with original gift ideas, tasty treats, and live entertainment. Kids get in for free. Now for more on these five things, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Since Variety Week last year, we've been tracking the progress of the Bandwagon Program, a unique music therapy that gives kids a chance to express themselves through music and song. Now, Variety has helped sponsor five bandwagons across the province, and Jay Durant sat in on a session in North Vancouver. Sounded great, Abby. How'd that feel? It was alright. Yeah? Was that the song that you just wrote? Yeah. You wrote that song 20 minutes ago. Not all of it, but like most part of it. Tatiana, tell us a little bit about uh, music therapy and how that um, is designed to, to help students. Uh, well, here our goals are like social and emotional goals. So. We just play music, and then these wonderful things happen. Well, this is one positive thing that Variety does, one of many. Obviously, you guys are seeing it firsthand. Just, yeah. uh, just your, your reaction to, to Variety being able to, to provide bandwagon for you guys. I think it, like, really, it feels really great when people show that they value what you're doing, and they give you like, good equipment instead of giving you like, the bare minimum. And so the students are able to make like, good-sounding productions instead of just like on my laptop with whatever microphone so then they can really be proud of Antonio what's your favorite thing about bandwagon my favorite thing is oh that's really hard <laughs> too many options it's too many options because I love bandwagon because it's really fun and you get to put your own ideas that you have and just put it into a song and that's kind of how I made a little love song. So many of my friends I wouldn't have had if it wasn't for music because like you come in here and you play songs and just like all the walls come down and then we like you really get to see what the person is and what they have to offer and it's a lot easier to connect with someone. When you book your first gig at the Commodore, make sure I get backstage passes, please. Deal? Yes. <laughs> he wants them, too. He does. Honestly. Great, great work, Abby, and Antonio, too. Cool program. Now, before we go, we want to share tonight's total with you. Thanks to your generosity, we've beaten our goal for today and raised over half a million dollars. 
That's enough to help Variety help 205 children with special needs. And we're going to try to get that number up to 300 mm -hmm. by the end of tomorrow night's news hour when we'll be broadcasting live at the Variety Week Street Festival at Robson Square.